This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, I'm just popping in before this episode starts to, number one, give a small trigger warning because we do talk about abuse and themes about abuse, so I wanted to make sure that you knew that and also make sure you knew that I have an incredible offering that I am doing for the month of December and January, which is my 2023 year ahead reading. It is a really fun, incredible, impactful offering where we connect to your energy, your own intuition, and pull through themes that are going to be in your life for the 2023 year. It could be themes, it could be areas of focus, it could be symbols, it could be specific actions or ideas, and it really is just this beautiful, empowering way to start the new year, and that is available on my website, opentoalchemy.com, or you can find out more on my Instagram, open.2.alchemy. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so honored to have my guest, April Dawn, here with us today. April is a writer, a poet, a dream interpreter, among lots of other things, and I am so excited to dive in with you. Well, I'm excited to be here. I have been super impressed by a lot of the conversations you've had with prior guests, and I feel incredibly honored to now be one of them. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Well, I'm, I just love that we have so many different places that we intersect, and one of them is writing. I think I've told a few people, I don't know that I've mentioned it on the podcast before, that I actually I was with a writing group um, at the beginning of the year through like the summer and have a loose first draft of a book which was a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be which sounds so ridiculous because I know for most people it's like I could never write a book I actually love writing and thought that it would come together easier than it did but life really, really got in the way for me with so many things going on. So I would just love to hear about your writing and how it flows for you. And I could ask you a million questions about writing. (laughs) Well, unless it's a, a secret, can you tell us what your book's about? So it's really about, um, finding space for yourself in our busy world. So pretty funny, pretty ironic. The guides were like, the universe was like, hmm, 
hmm, you want to write a book about making space for yourself in this busy world. We're just going to throw a million things at you and see how you do. I was literally living all of the lessons that I was writing about in my book. It was, I mean, the irony was just ridiculous. Well, I think that's incredible because um, I know for me, sometimes it can really come across if the author has actually lived what they're saying or if they haven't. And they're just speaking from an intellectual perspective versus like real life experience. And so I'm sure your readers are going to appreciate the rawness and authenticity that um, those experiences brought to your writing. So thank you. Well, that's definitely a, a better perspective to take than the one that I had when I was doing it. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Um, so my book is, it, it doesn't have a traditional publisher. So people like to call it vanity publishing. <laughs> I self-published. And yeah, I thought that writing a book could be so easy because I too enjoyed writing. And by the time I was done, I was like, even if the book itself is crap, I'm giving major kudos to whoever went through the process of actually writing it. It's it's a big deal. Um, and I think anyone can be proud of themselves for having accomplished a feat like that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, I totally agree. And, you know, it takes so much time. It takes discipline. It takes perseverance. And I mean, I completely agree to not only write a first draft, a second draft, maybe a third draft, to go through the self-publishing process, to go through a process of trying to, you know, have it published and sending it out. It feels like a miracle to me that anything gets published and gets printed <laughs> and you hold a copy in your hands. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so tell everybody what your book is about and how long it took and if there was any sort of spiritual lessons that we can glean mm. from that. <laughs> okay, so I had written poetry before and self-published um, a collection of my poems, but this uh, book, I ended up entitling it Sandra, A Healing Reimagining of the Babysitter from Hell. And kind of like the title suggests, um, I took what was a rather difficult aspect or a memory of my childhood and reimagined it. I had attended a workshop and I kind of detail this in the end of the book. So spoiler alert, <laughs> which is okay. Um, I had attended a workshop and they were encouraging you to really bring forth like a lot of texture. You know, it's one of those writing words, texture. You want the, the person you're reading it to be able to actually smell and hear and like place themselves within your book. And um, one of the, it was around Halloween, I believe. So one of the scary places I remembered was my babysitter's house. Um, and so I started the workshop with all these other people in the room and I started writing about the details about this house. And then you had to bring in, you know, the bad guy, the villain. I was like, oh, easy, easy peasy right. <laughs> to write about that. But then the other thing was you had to 
for sake of contrast, uh, you had to bring in a hero or the opposite. And I realized that I didn't have, there was no good to counteract the evil in that situation. And I found myself with the perfect opportunity to rewrite my history, literally and figuratively, and introduce the kind of hero that I would have wanted to show up in that situation. So what I ended up doing is each chapter is written from a different character's point of view. Most often between the villain, the evil babysitter, and that of um, the hero I wrote in as her daughter um, to kind of serve as that buffer between the babysitter and these helpless children in her care. And so what I, it was really scary because at first I was like, I'm writing this from the viewpoint of the hero, okay. But at the, on the opposite end, I got to one of those writing blocks, like, okay, this is where it's just kind of naturally fizzled out. Like it came to this certain point of the story. And I just switched over to the other point of view of the babysitter. And it really freaked me out at first because I was like, do I want to go there? <laughs> do I want to put myself in those shoes and ask myself, how did someone make decisions that they did? Um, like, what did it take to get them from being born? Because we're never, none of us are born. I mean, I guess there are a few like psychopaths maybe, but for the most part, we're not born monsters, so to speak. And even monsters, they have, you know, good parts. And it's hard to kind of put those things together. It's easy just to write someone off as all bad. So it was really scary. Like, do I really want to look behind her eyes and without, um, without saying it was okay, like the decisions that she made to hurt other people, at the same point, people who hurt others have been hurt themselves. Like it's this mm -hmm. cycle um, so yeah, that's what I ended up doing and it ended up being really awesome because it was an opportunity for me to do shadow work because I could, some of the things that Sandra, the babysitter says in the book, I would in, in no other circumstance have that liberty to write or say those things. So it kind of gave me this free for all opportunity to say and give words to things that, you know, you're not allowed to say. So um, my website, I think I do have like a little bit of a, a warning or a caveat saying that it, it does have like shadow themes in it and it has profanity. So it's not gonna be for everybody, um, but I think that might be obvious from the title as well, right. so. <laughs> That's so incredible. I have so many different thoughts that are coming in right now. First of all, when I think about 
you being able to do that, that is so incredibly courageous. And to be able to have the, the self-love, the self-compassion to take something like that on, even though it felt hard and scary. And I can't even imagine, I was like, as you were talking, I was trying to think about a few situations and would I be able to put myself into that, you know, main character role, the character being like a human that actually did certain things the way that you did. And wow, that must've just taken so much courage to be able to do that. It did and it didn't. I mean, I think a lot of us like to think that we're not capable of certain mm -hmm. things. And I don't know, maybe I'm just darker than other people, but um, I've had to face like those darker sides of myself and those demons. And I've had to make conscious decisions. Like, is this how I want to like, this cycle of uh, violence or neglect or whatever it is, do I want to continue to uh, continue that cycle? And because there have been options, there have been times where I know what was modeled to me as the most, like my default way, like, okay, right. this is what I saw modeled to me. This is what's coming forth. And do I, want to continue to be like that? Um, and the answer is usually no. <laughs> but at the same time, I maybe more than others have faced those demons and realized that a lot of the things that people do, I mean, there's a reason behind it. They didn't right. just, it's a conditioned response. And I was talking about before where someone's not born this horrible, abusive, manipulative person there, it took time, like one decision or one thing after another that was modeled to them. And um, I was thinking about some of the most horrible things like child abuse, um, molestation, even the people who commit these acts were more than likely abused themselves. And so it's, it's ugly and it's horrible, um, but yet it's also naive for us to think that there's no, that people were just born that way. I don't know. For me, it, it seems a little naive that there wasn't abuse or trauma or neglect on their own end to make them these horrible people that society likes to just mark off as uh, irredeemable you know right they're just like bad eggs bad bad seeds and not taking the time to understand or have the you know extend the compassion and the empathy for what what was happening to create the current person that they were because I agree that you know in most cases that is something that had layer upon layer upon layer and that's what the result of not that in any way that's an excuse or or you know gives them a pass for anything but right like that wasn't something that happened overnight that was like a series of 
events or treatment or et cetera that has led them to to make those choices to behave that way and, and that's so what, that's what I wanted to do with the babysitter I yeah. in no way wanted to uh, say that the things that she did were were good or okay but um, also just kind of like journal and witness her experience through my you know I have no idea so it's a fictional art. right you know see how it could be even possible for someone to get to make the decisions that she did. So, um, so did you find yourself looking at the situation um, with more more empathy? Did you find yourself like allowing for any forgiveness? Yes, I think all the way around. Mm. Like I there's part of the book where I actually wrote as my five-year-old self, um, what I was experiencing. And I just saw and felt a lot more compassion for everybody, including my, my younger self. Mm -hmm. So, and it was easier, you know, for me to be able to pinpoint things that, um, I carry with me today back to a very pivotal point and it I can see how someone who reads it they might be expecting after all this lead up like some like horrible incident and it um what she ended up doing I don't want to ruin the whole story but she did make some bad decisions but the part where I'm having this horrible self-talk as a five-year-old mm. like that stuff still occurs today <laughs> like um so it was really interesting to be able to uh kind of pinpoint where some of these things started or i don't know i think maybe as souls when we choose our experience i think we already know what kinds of things that we might want to experience or the type of people we want to become and with our astrology i know that i already had certain um, what do you call it? Tendencies toward mm -hmm. a certain way of thinking and being, but so who knows if it would have been this incident or another incident? But yeah, it was it was a very healing um, experience, and that's why um, I guess I have the audacity to think that it might be a healing experience for other people as well to write about. Um, some of the more challenging experiences. And I would not suggest starting off with the most traumatic right. things, as maybe you can guess. This was not the most traumatic thing in my life, um, but it was a place where I had noticed that maybe some of my negative beliefs about myself had started. And it was enough of shadow work that I felt I was capable of meeting at the time. But um, I will say that um, my brother's death um, and other traumatic incidents may be a little bit too fresh um, to, to revisit in such a, a probing way, you know? Mm -hmm. But yeah. that was something that I felt was um, possibly doable. Wow. And so, you 
now coach other people to use writing as a way to explore and uncover and you know claim back a little bit of of power over these circumstances that that's what i'm suggesting is that people take on this process um again not starting off with the most traumatic but something that where they can pinpoint some of their uh, negative self-talk or um, just a troubling incident and go from there and do those healings and the small bites and small steps. And then I think it will allow for grace and resiliency to apply towards maybe even further shadow work um, or trauma going forward. What, what guidance do you have for people that are not able to know specifically where something came from. So maybe they're able to identify, yeah, this is my go-to response to something, or this is a pattern in my thinking, but I really don't yet know where that, that um, seed got planted. Mm, how do that's you, a how really do good question. So I, I guess, um, it would kind of depend on two things. One is if you were able to pinpoint it to any incident in the past, it didn't have to be the very first. So if you were able to pinpoint it to any situation as a child or a young adult, then I would start there. Like, But if you are not able to place at all any specific instance where this played out in real life, you just know that it's been a thing and traumatized people, they have problems with memory. Like they often don't remember things. I still find that, um, uh, yeah, I have like the whole first grade is blocked out. I don't remember a single thing about first grade. It's really strange. And um, I think that may have been around the time that I was molested um, by a family friend. Um, but yeah, it's just weird where certain things are blocked out and you it's very likely that you might not be able to remember because it's too painful and like you <laughs> uh, Also another thing, um, I have such bad memory, but I think maybe I pinpoint it to, I grew up in a very religious background. And so lying was, definitely frowned upon you needed to tell the truth regardless and what i found out is that if i couldn't remember then i wasn't lying when i said i didn't remember or didn't know so i think there was also practicing of willful forgetfulness mm. on top of maybe um other like just trauma or other things that um that played a factor so if that's the case where you can't remember at all, um, I would suggest creating, I'm just thinking about a time where it could have played out. Mm -hmm. Like characters that you could easily see playing certain roles. Because um, one of the things I like about this genre of fictional memoir is that you are able to, it doesn't have to be correct, that you're not writing a biography 
that people's families will be able to come back later and sue you for it, like for, for libel or something. Right, right. It, it's fiction and that gives you so much forgiveness for yourself, like for not being able to remember things. And um, yeah, it doesn't have to be correct or truth with a capital or a lowercase t. The truth with a capital T is, is that you felt or you feel a certain way and you're exploring ways that that could have played out. Um, or what could have formative moments that could have brought you to where you're at now. I have found it fascinating that the research points to that anytime you revisit a memory, it's changed. Like there is no keeping a truth a single way. So aside from people, everyone having a different experience of a single moment, um, everyone experiences it different, so their truth is different. Um, the way you yourself remember and experience that is also going to change by the simple act of touching the memory. So it's like, in that way, if you don't, if you want to keep it as pure as possible, you're not going to think about it, <laughs> right? But that also is not um, maybe the most healthy or productive way of of moving forward so just granting yourself the right of being wrong or in certain ways of stretching the story or because i think as kids um we're often told that that's not what happened or you 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 heard something wrong or that anyway but you still felt a certain way you still experienced it a certain way so this whole writing process is allowing yourself to use um, those big words like the most or the hyperbole or just stretching the story a little bit to um to get that feeling to come forth because that's where the healing is it's not up in your head um knowing even why someone did something the way they did, that's not even all that helpful. It's touching those painful memories and handling them with such respect and care that they weren't handled the first time with. Mm. And um, yeah, just treating them with love and respect and in such a way positioning it and empowering it to make you able to move forward in a more empowered manner. You're not that kid. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not still that five-year-old that's stuck at the babysitter's house because my mom's waiting tables. You know, it's, it's just, I'm not that same person. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. So what story do I want to tell myself? Do I want to tell myself that I'm the same powerless child with no choices? back then or do I want to say hey I am showing that five-year-old part of myself that yesterday self um, respect and love and I'm handling their emotions with care I'm witnessing them because I did not feel witnessed as a right. kid so it's just a way of witnessing your inner child 
or yesterday's child. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, or it doesn't have to be trauma from a long time ago. It could be yesterday. But um, yeah, and just writing the story that you want to tell yourself. Because we're all telling ourselves stories. And I think we lie to ourselves and say that um, the story that we tell ourselves is truer than the story that someone else tells themselves. Well, really, if everything is in the now moment, it's like, what story are we telling ourselves now? And I want to have an empowered story that makes me more compassionate towards everyone around me and including myself. Right. And in order to change the trajectory of your future, Mm -hmm. you need to go back and make amends, give love, you know, all the different things that you're talking about, because that same person, even though you're different, that same person is still inside of you. Mm -hmm. Those experiences that you had, even if it's been, you know, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is, there's still that piece of you that without that change, I hear you saying, is will have the tendency to repeat that pattern, whether it be an action or a thought or a reaction or whatever it is, because they have not been tended to. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I love parts therapy. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, tending. I love that word tending. Um, because sometimes it's not just a one and done thing like that, that her child is still going to need tending from time to time when it's um, uh, triggered again. So when somebody, I think it's so, so great that you're segued to that because I think that is a perfect place for people who are new to that. When someone feels triggered or has that reaction, that is the perfect place for them to notice. Just be aware of their reaction or what their response is to something, whether it be, you know, the stranger in the supermarket, the boss, the kid, whatever it is, like, why are you reacting in a way that feels maybe larger than the situation? And just even starting with that, well, what, you know, and it can happen very quickly, like something happens in your immediate reaction, like in the meantime, you have now told yourself a story or you understand a story about yourself. And sometimes that's behind the reaction, but that's, I think is like an easy place sometimes to start because at the moment and later on, you can think to yourself like, wow, why did I get so upset at that situation? Like what, what did that make me feel? Or what did that, what did I tell myself about myself? that that created that kind of an oversized response to something when now that I have a little bit of time and space I can see the situation more clearly and I know that person didn't mean it that way or I know that the way that I originally interpreted it is not the factual way that it happened but that automatic response large and loud is that history coming up in you? Is that pain? And it just happens so instantly. For me, that's a way to sort of like get to it and access this a little bit better. Yeah, I had that happen just two days ago. I was like, oh. I, 
I'm having a um, an interesting reaction to something like um, I don't I don't like it, and then it took me a while to figure out why. Like, what is it? And of course, it had nothing to do, really do with that person or what they even said, but it was much deeper than that. So, yeah, and then you're able to see it. You know. You're able to see, and again, it's not that you should be like spending time like blaming yourself or like, you know, sitting in all of this judgment of yourself, but just so that you can be aware so that you can, you know, hopefully relieve yourself. Because the truth is that when we have those, those oversized reactions, at least for me, I always feel bad after it. I always then end up in a, in a period of feeling guilty or feeling shameful or getting down on myself for that kind of behavior when it doesn't feel like it's in alignment, when it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, presenting myself from a place of love or compassion or respect or whatever it is that I, that I want to show up. And so it's really an act of self-love to dig a little bit deeper and get to the bottom of that. So that ultimately, not only am I not behaving in a way towards somebody else, but so that I don't then keep putting myself in a position where I'm, you know, acting a way that doesn't ultimately feel good for me. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear switching gears a little bit about the dream interpretation and all how all of that has come about and what that work is like. Mm. So I love um, poetry. I think that the first time that I really felt seen as a person was by my fourth grade teacher, Ann Jenkins. And she, um, as soon as she could, you know, she wasn't allowed to show me favoritism while I was her student, but after, once the summer started and I moved away, she would send me books even. And um, while I was still her student, she just would encourage my my love for writing and for the written word. And yeah, I just took it. Um, I just loved, I loved being seen and I'm like, oh, wow, this is maybe you actually have a gift. Like, I don't know, maybe, you know, everyone has their thing. Maybe this could be my thing. And uh, my mom, bless her heart. She, um, Maybe she has the channel of a judgment in human design like I do. I'm not sure, mm. but everything could be improved upon. Oh, right. Yeah. And, I, and I can yeah. totally see that myself. But because I've had this experience with her, I have tried to just be re you know, aware of that in myself and not put qualifiers on my child's accomplishments or things like that. I'll be just like, that's great, you know, and not try to point out ways that it could be improved. But I think my mom was always trying to, uh, I think she in a way credits herself for my success, my success, but uh, my interest rather in writing. Um, but it really wasn't, uh, it was my teacher who, who saw something in me. And from there, from the written word, like the stars was my best friend. Um, you know, I started writing poetry. And then I realized, you know, once I got on the, the spiritual scene, um, that 
the dreams were symbols, just like words in, in poetry can be beautiful, elegant ways of expressing a feeling or an idea that dreams do this exact same thing. Um, it just, just like some people cannot understand poetry, like it could just be regular prose, but if, if you break it into lines, all of it, you know, into, into stanzas, all of a sudden, <laughs> does it make sense? Um, I realized that I think sometimes when things are put into dreams, um, the symbols and the messages, they can be more garbled or feel inaccessible. And so I, that's what I love doing is having people uh, interpret their own dreams because I'm all about empowering someone to be their own guru, right? So um, yeah, no one can interpret your dreams the best other than you. So other people can give you their, their take on it or like if it were their dream, what they, how they might take it, but no one's you and they're not the dreamer. So the power lies with the dreamer to interpret um, their own dreams. Now there are certain like universal symbols right? and those are really fun to explore together. Um, I read a book by Robert A. Johnson and it, it talks about um, active imagination and dream work. And I really implement his four steps, or I try to when I'm working with um, dreams. And because I had never had someone like break it down into four, four steps, and I loved it. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is that he said that um, whenever you're trying Okay, first, like you brainstorm, like a symbol. You take all the symbols, write them down, and then you brainstorm about each symbol. What could this possibly mean? When you hear a rabbit, like what are the adjectives or three words that pop up um, to describe a rabbit? Well, once you've done all of that, and then you're going back to try and uh, pull it all together into an interpretation, one of the cool things he says is that don't pick the one that seems obvious that you already know. He, he was like, your dreams and your psyche are not going to waste your time telling you things that you already know. It's kind of like shadow work. It's going to show you something that you haven't wanted to look at or haven't been able to look at. Um, so that's the purpose of it. It's not going to tell you, oh, I'm great and wonderful, unless those are things that you need to hear, <laughs> unless you believe the opposite. But it's not going to tell you something to puff you up or, you know, like uh, these vanity dreams. Right. There's going to be some type of shadow aspect to it um, that really provides a lot of gold if you're willing to mine it and give it the time and um, ritual around it. So can anything be a symbol or does it have to have a certain relevance in the dream? How do you even know what a symbol is? It's amazing, like things that you might not even think are symbols could be symbols, like colors are really important. Mm. Um, like blue, I was just working with someone who, we have a, a dream group. Um, 
that's free. We just talk about our dreams. And there was a lot of blue, blue people, blue birds, all these things. And it, I just felt like it wasn't coincidence that I ended up reading about something that, you know, that tied blue to the throat chakra. Mm-hmm. So we talked about, um, is she feeling a pressure to say something or speak? And she was like, bingo. Right. <laughs> yes, I have. And so um, everything, like spirit in your dreams, they don't waste time. Everything is basically a symbol it's elegant every um yeah it's as compressed as possible into every single thing that you notice so if you Mm -hmm. notice something and you're remembering something about the dream more likely than not it's important whether it's a man versus a woman or if it's a child versus an old person you know what colors are you seeing um the the yeah everything is a symbol so everything that you can remember do you then encourage people to sort of have a a journal or a notebook that as soon as they wake up to to jot down all the things because I often find that I have such a vivid dream so many things are happening and then of course when I wake up I remember varying degrees of it but within an hour two hours it's almost all gone unless I've captured it. Right. Yep. So I will go through periods of time where I will um, have a journal or more, just more likely than not, I have my, my phone by my bed that I Mm. use as my um, alarm. I'll, that'll be the first thing I do is I'll open up the memo pad, the notepad and start typing away um, my dreams. Um, because what I have found for myself is that I will not go back and re-listen to myself, talk about a dream. So I need to have it in writing, which I guess you could do voice to text, but that works horribly for me. (laughs) I just know what I'm saying half the time, but, um, yeah, some way of capturing it when you first wake up is probably the best way. And, Uh, For me, whenever I do, like I'm paying attention, I'm writing down my dreams uh, routinely, you'll find that, I guess, you know, spirit starts trusting you and they like give you more and more dreams. And then for me, it does get a little bit too much. Like I'm, I'm dreaming too much. And then I'll like, I'll be like, kind of throw my hands up in the air. Okay, we're we're taking a break. (laughs) Okay. We're taking a break. And that's a Every choice you make is fine. It's a perfect choice. So if you decide that um, you're not wanting to interpret your dreams for a couple of weeks, you know, fine. Don't write them down. Don't do any of those things. But this is for someone who is wanting to connect to themselves or to spirit in a, in a new way. And dreams are a beautiful way of doing that. And can you set an intention before bed to either remember your dream or have a question answered or things like that? Have you found that helpful? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, I have. So um, I guess I I didn't start from the beginning because I feel like um, so many people, other people say this, but yes, if you are wanting to start dreaming and you're like, I'm one of these people who never dream. Uh, my husband is one of those. So he, he doesn't dream. And I have been telling myself, 
maybe one of the reasons why he doesn't is because he doesn't have anything that's left unprocessed, <laughs> possibly. Like he's one of those people that in the moment he he's processing and maybe he just lets that shit go. Whereas to me, I'm used to like packing things away and compartmentalizing, not looking at things. And so maybe for me, that's why I do dream more often is because I have more shit in the, the suitcases that needs to be unpacked. I'm not sure. So mm. I'm not saying that these will work for everybody. Um, but if you are wanting to increase your chances of having a dream, yes. Um, they say to you know, start going to bed at the same time every night, um, uh, set the intention, maybe even write it on a piece of paper and put that under your pillow. Or I guess you could even charge a crystal with that intention and put that mm -hmm. by your bed. Um, there are certain um, herbs. I think it's, I can't remember, mugwort? Mugwort, yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. that, uh, it's supposed to um, increase your, your dreams or the depth or how vivid they are, um, placing those under your pillow. Um, maybe even drinking a tea of the mugwort before you go to bed. And then, yeah, just making sure that you have, that you're giving yourself enough time in the mornings to be able to record the dreams. So if you're like me and you're <clears throat> setting your time, your alarm for the last minute, yeah. or you, you, <laughs> have to, you have to be getting out of bed to, to take care of the kid and get yourself ready, um, you're not going to write down your dream because you simply don't have the time. So it is maybe setting that alarm, an extra, you don't have to kill yourself because you then you won't do it, but maybe like just an extra 10 minutes early. And um, and then, yeah, uh, seeing what comes through. And then maybe it's just a word or maybe it's just um, a meaningless, what you think to you, what might seem like a meaningless glimpse, you know, just writing it down honoring that and then you know the next night keep at it set the intention and maybe you'll get a little bit more and a little bit more and then until you get overwhelmed with it and you're like oh <laughs> I wish I had that problem again where I'm not dreaming <laughs> wow that's so interesting and I never um I don't know why I haven't put the two and two together that by writing it down, you are opening up and, you know, doing that whole law of attraction and then calling in more of the dream, because then by paying attention to it, you're asking for more of it, you're going to be getting more of it. And it's like that beautiful growth cycle. Um, yeah, I definitely am someone that dreams a lot. And sometimes in my dream, I'm almost like watching the dream. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing the future or I'm seeing possibilities or I'm getting so much incredible understanding. And I'm like, please remember this, please remember this. And then it's gone, which is maybe what it's supposed to be. Because That's probably what it was supposed to be. You, yeah. you got exactly what you needed. And I honestly don't have those types of dreams. Like I, I don't have precognitive dreams. I don't have... Um, like the waking dreams where I'm able to control uh, what's mm. going on. I don't have those kinds of dreams. So, but um, I'll take what I get, you know, and I, 
some of the dreams I've had have been really awesome. And I think sometimes, you know, the difference in the caliber of the dream, whether it's worth, um, like, you'll just know, like, you'll get an intuitive hit, like, there's something here, I may not be seeing it, but there's something here that needs to be looked at or that I'm not seeing. And those are the kinds of dreams that you want to work with. And then there are other dreams that you're like, okay, this was obviously just, <laughs> right, everything's crazy, trash, you know, where everything is, yeah, stress dreams, um, et cetera, just kind of a clearing out. Um, so just follow your intuition. And I think creating a community, I'm part of Gabrielle Ginter's energy tribe group. And within that, we have subgroups by interest. And one of those uh, we have on dream interpretation. So if someone has a dream, uh, we have certain guidelines for how to and so anyone who's new to the group, they know how to format their dream. You put it in present tense. It makes it more, uh, gives it more pow, you know, to it, to put everything in present tense as opposed to past tense. Like, um, and then the people who are reporting on the dream, they say, um, if this were my dream or in my dream, this is what I would take from it. Right. What that does, it takes off all of the responsibility again, to be correct. We talked mm -hmm. about that in writing the book. Like, so this takes off the pressure of being right about something because you never know exactly what this dream is meant for precisely for someone else. It's not, it wasn't your dream, but you can put yourself in their shoes and say, if this were me, this is what I would take it to me. And it's, it's great because um, so a lot of, you'll get a lot of insight from different people's take. And it's kind of like in this space where we are all encouraged to go inward. And we, we, we do that, but then we also find we need sometimes that outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And that is mm -hmm. no less true when it comes to dreams because it can be so obvious. And that's one of the things about <laughs> being a dream interpreter is that um, someone will come to you with a dream and, it's, and then you'll give your take on it. And they're like, of course, that's what that means. That was so obvious. <laughs> like, so it kind of takes away the, the gift of sight. Like, oh yeah. Of course, that's what it meant, but um, <laughs> so you feel as though you're just stating the obvious because afterwards it can feel like, why didn't I see that? Of course, that's what it right, meant. Right, right, right. But, but it is hard to do our own work it's sometimes. It's hard to do your yeah. own and to see yourself. So like in yeah. human design, the projectors, you know, you might have a lot of insight on other people, but I'm a projector right. myself. It's so hard to see yourself. And I've been listening to some astrology podcasts, you know, you have the, the dark houses where it's difficult to really see your own experience within those parts of the astrological wheel. Um, so yeah, just getting that outside perspective. And I guess another way of tying in the book is um, I had a community that I was part of at the time where you could share progress. It was a pretty active group and you could throw things out there, kind of ask for suggestions on a backstory. 
And so one of the, I was struggling with tying two things together. Okay, how do I make this and this make sense? Like how are these people supposed to know each other? Mm -hmm. And so I put it out there to the group and I got all these answers. None of them felt right. But that in itself was helpful because I was in the shower later that night and it came to me. So I was thinking about, that's not right. That's not right. Then all of a sudden it came to me like what there was, what the relationship or what the backstory was supposed to be for these characters in my book. And um, yeah, because it, it was not all those things. So by right. our process of elimination, you get to what you need as well. That is so cool. And I love how, you know, with the writing, it feels like so much mental work and so much heart work and so much you know consciousness and then the dream feels like it so much of like the other space so much light and effervescent and possibility so tell everybody how they can find you and how they can work with you um and your different things that you offer okay so my website is aprilific.com and that has all the links. It has the places where you can um, join my Patreon. Um, on the Patreon, I will have like bonus content. I will have uh, Oracle card draws for the new and full moon and just my community of sorts. And then it will have links to all of my podcast episodes. I host a podcast called Sheffy's Sandbox. I like to go deep as a Scorpio and I have a lot of eighth house placements. So I like to talk about some of the more taboo or shadow aspects of things. And um, and then on the website, you'll have links to where you can purchase um, autographed copy of the book. Um, I just added on their workshops. I am excited to, even though I'm in this liminal space, I don't know where the heck life is going or what I'm supposed to be doing with my offerings because I also have a very normal 3D job and I'm raising a family. So it's like, I don't know what, if anything, is going to be coming of these offerings, but um, I'm just open and I'm excited to see what happens. Um, So if I were invited to do workshops on dream interpretation or maybe uh, the process of rewriting your personal story, um, I would love to collaborate in so many different ways. So, yeah, yeah, I love, love, love both of those spaces for you. I mean, I think the writing workshop is amazing. I think, you know, a three-hour online workshop or, you know, something like that for people that want to both you know, really like jumpstart their writing or re jumpstart their writing. Cause I think it would be for people that, you know, obviously they need to, they would need to have some experience and some ability and like understanding of the concepts that you're talking about, but to do that and take a story or something that happened and look at it from all those different perspectives, I could see just being so eye-opening such like a heart-centered way of of looking at something of extending that compassion of 
of really empowering yourself to move forward from something that's been nagging you or, or eating at you or, or even something that you wish you could do differently yeah. and being able to to sort of rewrite how you would handle something, even in the present tense, I think is so incredibly powerful. And I hope that you do that. <laughs> well, another thing I wanted to just add real quick, something that writing about your story or your past experience does is that it can also make it less big. Yeah. Like by putting words to it, finally, it can, it's, it seems more manageable. Like this looming thing by me actually going through the painful process of putting words to what happened, it, I realized, okay, wow, it's actually, like there's a lot of feelings surrounding it, but the actual thing that happened was small. Like, so, I mean, in, by small, I mean, re, it feels more manageable. Like, it's not this bigger than life thing anymore that we can't touch or attack or handle. It's like, oh wow, this happened. I can contain it and like- Right, it fits on a page, yeah. <laughs> I just know that at this point, I'm, I'm tired of doing being that solo entrepreneur mm -hmm. and I'm ready for collaborations of all kinds. So. Oh my God, I love that. Collaborations have come up in literally every conversation I've had starting last Monday a million different things have opened up and for so many different people, I feel like that is 100% the energy of right now. So I love that, that's amazing. And hopefully by both speaking it out loud, we will continue to call in all of those opportunities. Um, thank you so much for being being with me and sharing everything so, so, so transparently, so vulnerably. I it, um, it's really going to help so to hear your experience and, and where you have come from and where you are right now. I think it's just so inspiring. Yeah, there's, um, we could probably have another episode about mental health altogether. Because when you're talking about like where I've been and um, the mental health part is an on ongoing journey. So for but, all of us. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me on here. I'm excited to now have been um, one of your, one of your guests. So. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening to the open to alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, clubhouse at open alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.